Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of A New Life Awaits, Spirit-Guided Insights to Global Awakening, which shows us our challenges are not merely economic, political, or societal, just a spiritual disconnect from our true being or soul wisdom. And I am most delighted to welcome Sarah Main, author of Conscious Confidence and a Sanskrit scholar as using Sanskrit as a means to life mastery and a strong sense of compassion, self-direction, self-empowerment, and the life force of self-confidence. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to Healing from Within. Hello, Cheryl, and thank you so much for having me on. It's wonderful to be here. And you're, and you're quite a distance away. I'm in New York, and you're in Australia, but we have a clear connection. Uh, yeah. Sarah, as listeners of <laughs> Healing from Within are so well aware, my esteemed guests, authors, and seekers of knowing how to best navigate life using metaphysical concepts and other tools to share intimate experiences and insights so we may better know who we are and how to make choices that enhance life and ultimately improve the human condition. We often reflect on the past to understand the present and to create a better future. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Sarah will show us how we may develop a a practical confidence-boosting program which is taken from the deepest meanings of ancient Sanskrit concepts so we may establish a safe reference point to see the world and make clear decisions on how to act, what to say, and how to feel so life can be improved. Sarah, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and try to remember a person, place, or event that might have suggested to them or to others around them the lifestyle and interest and perhaps work they might embrace as an adult and the passions that stirred their hearts. So tell us about your childhood. Oh, well, that's that's an easy one for me. Um, I, well, I grew up in Sydney. I'm in Sydney. And um, my parents came from England after the Second World War and they were seekers. They were interested in wisdom and knowledge. And um, when I was 10, uh, no, I was eight years old, my father came home from a lecture and said to my mother, I found it. I found the knowledge and wisdom we're looking for. And this was back in the late 1960s. And... um, I could tell they were onto something. They just enthusiastically spoke about things they were reading, you know, and we in the meantime, Dad was still going to work and Mum was at home looking after us all and we went to school and everything was normal. And yeah. They were so enthusiastic and, and discussing things. And I want, I there was something about it. I could tell the energy in the house had changed. I wanted that too. So at the age of 10, Dad... Um, asked and said do you want to come and join these philosophy classes are you interested because they started studying philosophy and it was eastern and western philosophy and meditation and this is back in the late 60s so unusual and um, 
and 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 I just as soon as he said that I said yes and I sat in these adult classes I didn't actually understand what they were saying and yet that's all I right I knew I was in the right place but Sarah you were in the energy yeah you were in the yeah, intelligent the energy, energy and it helped you it helped yeah. you to feel comfortable in, in that. And you were very fortunate to have parents like that. Now, my father was a, a, a podiatrist, and I remember him running around the house and saying, Om, you know, and, and being very... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't understand it, but he also had a sense of the bigger picture of life. And... Um, I remembered it later on when I started to develop my own interest. Well, I was always interested in knowing who we are, why we're having this life, where we come from. And I studied philosophy in college and religion and, and literature, always looking to know more about who we were. So we came, mine started a little later because I was overwhelmed as a child being an empath and dealing with uh, all the challenges of that. And they didn't understand that in those days either. So uh, as a sensitive, you were a sensitive also with sensitive parents, but perhaps you didn't uh, have the same struggle I did. But in time, we came to uh, find our rightful place and what we were born to do, and we're doing it right now. So Sarah, let's go on to... You suggest that the roots of Sanskrit words can relate to confidence and success, unlocking rich three-dimensional understandings of each word, as well as guidance on how to find your path in life. As an example, I found this word very interesting. Let's look at the word attitude. The Sanskrit root means our point of view, our intent, and our conduct. So tell us a little bit about attitude for you. And then I want to share a synchronistic story with you. Um, yes, well, attitude so crucial. I mean, it just informs everything of, of how we approach life and, and how we experience life. And um, the point about the Sanskrit is not you have to go and learn Sanskrit although that's great, it's there is wisdom in the Sanskrit. Sanskrit is a special language in that way um, and it is profound and transformative, the very vibration of the energy in the language. And when I looked up attitude, I found there were three factors to it um, and there was this uh, stiti, which is our stance or our point of view, is one perspective of attitude. Then there's Bahawa or Bahava, which is our emotional response. Our intent and our motivation is part of attitude. And Vritti, which is our conduct and our behavior, and especially right conduct. And those three, in Sanskrit, attitude is those three. It's not just a mental construct um, or a mental screen or lens that we see things through. And normally people think of attitude as purely intellectual but it isn't in not in Sanskrit it's the lens through which we see things the bahava our emotional response or our intent behind things and it's our contact conduct so it's everything it's literally our our thought word and deed yes 
like the Buddhists, rightful thinking, rightful action, mm-hmm. and rightful words. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. now let me share a little synchronistic story or coincidence, which I usually have with most of my wonderful guests. Well, my name, Cheryl, is for both my grandmothers, Sarah, and I uh, am a Reiki master teacher. And uh, in every Reiki One class that I teach, uh, which comes from the Japanese master teacher, Ryoho Yusui, who studied Sanskrit in order to discover how Jesus performed spiritual healing. And he developed a modern healing art, uh, which I now practice. And it's practiced uh, throughout the world by Reiki master teachers. So it's a very ancient healing art. And in my new book, A New Life Awaits, I wrote uh, this about attitude. While some may see that others have more material accoutrements, some may have less. I have discovered that attitude is indeed everything. And often at a Reiki One group, I read the following by Charles Swindoll, Attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. He goes on to say, the only thing we can play on, the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. And many, many years ago, when I read that, I was very moved by it, and I incorporated it it into my teaching program. So you also have found that to be a very... um, important energy or part of of our uh, becoming more of what we already are, you know, our souls expanding and empowering us to live uh, more uh, blissfully in joy and in positivity. So let's go on to how is Sanskrit the language of the universe? I like that. Um, Sanskrit... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it it has the, the the wisdom, the energy, and the and therefore the wisdom is is fully intact. It's unchanged, and the the very power of Sanskrit, and this is just a pure a miracle and a mystery, is that um, Sanskrit itself can unlock and does unlock the inner chambers of your heart and your mind, um, and it speaks to the very depths and connect us with our very self and speaks of the the, the universe all in one. Um, it is pure and perfectly formed and that's what the word Sanskrit means. It means pure and perfectly formed and the very wisdom is pure and perfectly formed and therefore it has its potency intact. Um, I like to think of it that there's Sanskrit and there's Sanskrit. There's Sanskrit that you, you find in the dictionaries and, and all the grammar books. And then there's the Sanskrit, which when you hear that still small voice within, 
that you just know what to do. You know exactly what's right. Um, and it's a knowing and a feeling that that knowledge is always pure and perfectly formed and is a form of Sanskrit. Beautiful. Um, and, and, and sometimes that... Yeah, yeah, and so like Reiki, which connects you to that intuition or inner voice and to the higher realms of eternal life, we discover we are limitless, magnificent, universal beings who embody the force and energy yeah. of the universe. So that's why Sanskrit was discovered by Master Yusui. He was directed to that to find the healing art, which he rediscovered. He didn't He, he didn't uh, yeah. establish it. He rediscovered it so I, I, I this leads me to believe um, that the premise that we all need is a little experiential personal experience and that reawakens us at times to this truth that we're talking about here for me it began 25 years ago when uh, I was, I had a dream, or what I thought was a dream, and my grandfather was there on my right side, and I later learned it was a spiritual visitation, which I had not been taught, as you had in your earlier life, to believe in. And he told me to write something for my father. And the very next day I received a call that my father had passed, and I proceeded to write his eulogy. Well... The event triggered a need for me to remember more about who we were and the way I was as a child when I used to look up at the sky and talk to someone. I didn't exactly know I was, who I was talking to, but, but I, I wanted to learn how consciousness survived physical death and how mediums communicated with this energy, this universal language, the souls of uh, eternal life and in the process, I uh, became an intuitive healer and a medium. So I think it's coming from the original Sanskrit, the whole belief and energy feeling and system that is so ancient and so valuable at this modern time through the challenges we're experiencing. So the next question would be, how is Sanskrit of practical relevance for today and it's a very important question it is it's yes important. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Um, the, the interesting thing about the Sanskrit is and the importance of it is Sanskrit contains wisdom and there's wisdom within the Sanskrit so that's why I have gone back to the Sanskrit which is my training anyway to do this um, that we, we all have these meanings that we carry around in our mind and heart that we've usually just picked up unconsciously as we've gone through life. Um, like, for example, the, the word we use, which is attitude. And you think, oh, yeah, yeah, attitude, yeah, you know, you've got to have a good attitude. When you're a kid, normally your parents say, have a positive attitude or change your attitude. Um, and we just, we don't, think about its actual meaning but meanings determine our thought our word and our deed and to go back to the Sanskrit and clarify and deepen um, what the Sanskrit says about these words and these key concepts connects us back to wisdom that's deep within us that's there waiting that's ever present and we have those sort of aha moments and then we can act and 
think and feel and speak in a completely different way because we're coming from a different meaning. So we're literally living from the inside out. It's an inside job. Yes. And that changes everything. Yes. That changes everything. And it's so vital now because if we're just reacting to external circumstances, nothing's changing. This is just a, a closed loop. Yeah, nothing changes. We need to change ourselves, each of us, so yeah. that everything can yeah. change. And these shifts are these shifts are very normal, although they can uh, be uncomfortable and bring up insecurity and doubt. And of course, we're always working with the fear of the outside world. Uh, but you have asked the following questions uh, for developing confidence in order to follow our heart's true needs. And the first one be begins with, how can I find happiness? Now, happiness is our natural soul birthright. But many people steer us away from it. And we want to now in these challenging times find ways to uh, go towards it. And what are some of the other questions we need to ask ourselves in order to have the confidence uh, to follow our heart's desires? Um, yeah, what is happiness? Who am I, who am I now? Um, what is my next best step to take? Um, there, there's some crucial, you know, what is my attitude now? Am I reacting or am I responding to events? Yes. Um, am I making a conscious choice? You know, I have a conscious choice at every moment. What choice am I making right now? These are some crucial ones that get us working from the inside out and living from the inside out, and it changes everything. Just one question. Yes, and, and it can help. It changes. Yeah, it can help with the stress we're all feeling. It can help us fit everything into yeah. a busy day in life. And we can truly find Absolutely. what is important personally. We all have personal personal power. But we sometimes give it yeah. up to other people. And we've, we need at this time to relate to our personal power. And you tell a very important story in the book. You have a lot of stories. But there is a story of a man, uh, Naki Ketas and Lord Yama. Yeah, Nach <laughs> Nach yeah. Nachi Ketas. <laughs> and and how he and how he he yeah. relates to his personal power. So tell us that story in your own words. I really loved it. <laughs> As a medium <laughs> well, I really great. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> go go on, tell us about uh, it. The story of Natiketas and um, Lord Yama. It's well, it's a it's a very famous story. Um, I'm just I'm just flicking through my book at this moment. I've got it in front of me. Just remind me, where is it? Can you remember? Oh, <laughs> let me look. I um, I have the book story. here too. Well, let yeah, me, um, let, so, I oh, don't I have the page, uh, but briefly, briefly tell us. Yes. The, the story of Nachiketas is very, um, it's a classic story because it, it talks about, it. Nachiketas was a young boy and he was focused on the truth. He was naturally spiritual and yes. focused on the truth and his father was um, interested a bit more in vanity and, you know, and he wanted to receive all the sort of uh, heavenly gifts and he decided to have this special, uh, special 
sacrifice and celebration uh, to get all these sort of heavenly gifts, right? And so, um, and Nachiketis could see what his father was doing, but he still had compassion for his father. And his father, uh, the, the priest said, oh, well, look, offer all these uh, cows. You have to sacrifice all these cows. So Nachiketis' father, Raja uh, Shravas, his name is, he got all these old cows, rather than healthy cows, he got all these old ones to sacrifice, which is a bit bit tricky, you know. And Nachiketis yes. could see what his father was doing, and he, and he said, look, you know, Dad, um, you need to offer proper gifts rather than this grand show. And Nachiketis' uh, dad was getting annoyed with um, him because he was pressing him to be truthful, in other mm. words. And so his father said, um, okay, um, I sacrifice you to death, to Yama, the god Yama, the, the mm. god of death. And he just said it in the, in the fit of peak in the moment. And Nachiketa said, okay, fine, you know. So he goes off to Lord Yama. And Lord Yama um, says, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, well, you know, I've, I've been sent. And so... Um, Lord Yama said, well, because you're such a devoted, focused young man, I give you special gifts, three gifts. And, um, and uh, Nachiketa says, I want, um, I want to be reconciled to my father for when I return from death, which is a very clever thing because he made sure he could get back from death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and number one, and Yama presents that to him. Number two, he says, all right, how do you get these heavenly gifts so that I can teach all mankind? And Yama was so impressed with the um, his compassion and magnanimity that he wanted something for all mankind and not just for himself, that he gave him a special fourth gift. And then the third gift was he said, what lies beyond death? Tell me, what lies beyond death? And, um, and Yama said, don't ask me that. That's too hard. I just can't possibly tell you. And, um, you know, and and Nachiketis presses him and says, I want to know that. And Yama says, I'll give you wealth. I'll give you this. He presents every possible distraction. And, and mm. Nachiketis says, no, I want that answer. And he gives him the inner wisdom. And it starts with... Um, meditation knowledge meditation and practice those three things knowledge meditation and practice gives you the wisdom and um takes you back to yourself and um, well actually it takes you back i guess to your inner energy or your soul being which is what leaves the body at the time of death and consciousness survives physical death. So he really did give him the answer. But he said in this lifetime, you sh- yes, you should, you should do this and you will know it. And you can find peace and yep. you can find eternal life right here in the physical world. And I think he was telling him that. I guess, I guess that's why I like that story so much. So let's go one step further on to meditation, self-awareness, and mindfulness. You know, sometimes people lump it all together. And they do, they are steps towards self-actualization and self-realization and peace and harmony and balance. But just actually, you tell us something about that. And then I have something here that you wrote, which I'd like to read. 
Just tell us something um, about it. Yeah, meditation. I I mean, these—they're really all one, but yes, it it is absolutely crucial. Meditation is the master key um, that really takes us back to our true energy, ourselves. It it takes us out of all the uh, mind stuff and all the being caught up in the sensory world of form. There's nothing wrong with that, but we need that connection back to our true energy uh, within. Yeah. And meditation is uh, <laughs> one of the understandings of it is, is our attention flowing to a single point like a thin stream of oil flowing. Yeah. And um, that takes practice, but we can practice in every moment being mindful of what we're doing, actually feeling our feet on the floor as we walk and looking and listening um, without the distractions within in the mind and that takes practice but it's a it's a good practice and it's what we need to be practicing and truthfully in this situation that we've all been going through and you in particular in america are having a really tough time um the it's it's the strength of inner our stillness and steadiness that and equanimity that comes from meditation and mindfulness that um really gets us through these things Yes, and I I would like to read what you wrote. It's simple, but it's very important. Meditation is food for the spiritual body, along with prayer and keeping company with the words of the wise. Deep stillness in meditation, a peaceful walk in a beautiful place, is quiet contemplation of natural beauty, gazing at the stars, remaining still in the present moment, and letting go of past and future narratives. All these are restful for the emotional body. Engaging in the creative arts, such as making beautiful music, art, or dance, are other excellent ways to exercise the emotional body. All of these activities will help you feel a sense of connection, peace, and freedom. And uh, that is what we are all looking for and that is what has been lost in so many materialistic drives uh, that people have uh, to have more to do more to go to more places Uh, it's in the being that we become free and that we find our way forward uh, to peace and you mentioned uh, in the Sanskrit Sanskrit will Wisdom tradition, there are four aspects to the mind and heart. And I think you were just talking about yeah. that. Yeah, the man is the Bodhi, the Chita and the Aham. And yeah, I, I, I didn't yeah. know those words before, but I wrote something about the I am and this pure and simple feeling that Sanskrit is trying to uh, describe. And I wrote this uh, in my new book, A New Life Awaits, uh, which is the title of the book, it shows the truth known by many people, the wisdom traditions of the past, who have felt the moment of complete awareness uh, within them when this driving forceful energy known as spirit awakens them and, and they learn decisively to love life, which is the ultimate gift from spirit and which offers to each soul the chance for greater compassion for themselves and others. Of course, 
when I was doing hospice, I didn't need to voice these understandings to patients, for I hoped that my smile of reassurance would, would be enough to quiet fears about the unknown, often mysterious experiences they were going through. I was trained not to voice my personal beliefs when sitting with patients. However, through my many life experiences and heightened soul energy, I might be telepathically sharing my beliefs from within the soul light force that simply cannot be contained. So there, there it is. There is so much within us, so mm. much, so much power, so much joy, so much life. So what would you like readers to take away with them after reading the book very briefly? The answer is within us, and it is that connection back to our soul energy, um, and that is available at every moment in the present moment, right here now. You don't have to go anywhere special to connect with it. Uh, you are yourself, and you just need to connect with it, realize it, and you are um, a magnificent, infinite, universal being. Beautiful. Thank you very much for that. And I would like to thank you, Sarah Maines, author of Conscious Confidence, for sharing the language of enlightenment, which is Sanskrit and many other forms uh, of going within, which is truly unique among all the languages of the world, and for offering a practical confidence-boosting program derived from the oldest and deepest meanings of Sanskrit concepts, which is so needed in these challenging modern times. To learn more about this topic and to purchase this book, go to ConsciousConfidence.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have outlined beautiful, enlightened principles for harnessing the fourfold energies of conscious confidence as a means for discovering a steady inner or soul source of compassion, self-direction, self-empowerment, and the life force of self-confidence. We have found that Sanskrit offers timeless wisdom that we may access to transform our thoughts, actions, and build confidence, certainty, clarity, and success. This method, like all spiritual practices and states of higher consciousness, allow us to conquer the growing anxiety and fear from this lifetime, our childhood trauma, to a core of selfhood for knowing our divine potential. Sarah and I would have you move past the fears and reality of a physical world, regaining a sense of your personal, intuitive, and energetic soul power, and smile broadly from within through any challenge. Yes, broadly. I like that. And by doing that, create a healthy personal reality and a world of hope beyond these troubled times. The answers to a good, fulfilling life are within and within reach if we only pay attention to that quiet voice that tells us we are love in action. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, and I invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to hear and read about leaders, authors, visionaries, teachers of metaphysics, science, spirituality, religion, and the arts and music approach new ways to view 
and perceive the beauty of life. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.